Hey y'all, and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and I've got something special for you tonight. I'm joined by the writer of this story, Kevin Laporte, and we're going to tell you a little bit about the story and how you can see more of this world. Thanks, Amanda. This story tonight is called Famishment. It's one I wrote, a prose version of, for a comic series that I wrote, drawn by Nathan Smith and Ari Arnoldson, that's available on kickstarter.com right now. It's a four-issue, 80-page story. It's a story of the steampunk apocalypse, a tale of one little town visited by the four horsemen of the apocalypse, one at a time, starting with famine, and then pestilence, and then war, and then death, one in each issue. Beautifully drawn series, I'm very proud of it. You can get the complete story now on Kickstarter. But for tonight, enjoy this short glimpse into the world of the Four Horsemen, a story I call Famishment. If you'd like to check out the graphic novel Last Ride of the Four Horsemen, it can be found on Kickstarter from now until Sunday, April 19th, 2020 at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. It is really a beautiful creepy book, y'all, so you don't want to miss out on this one. Famishment A top hat was always a sure symbol of the elite, something true even in those times of famine in the little lost town of promise. And a top hat was all Catherine saw above the crowd scrambling about the man they all called the Traveler in the cemetery drive that still hot July evening. Her neighbors said he was all that kept the common folk alive in those days after the crops were raised, dropped from their stalks by the blade of one devil-spawned plowman, if one were to believe such tales. Whatever the truth, Mr. Fairless, owner of every field, donated no grains, no corn, and no melons to market in spring, and the people grew desperate. Catherine squeezed young Samuel's hand in signal to advance with her through the bustling scene before them. Excited, thinning denizens left the throng then, brushed past with corked and blown glass spheres of liquid in their strained clutches. The traveler's voice sounded above the din of beggars as through a tin megaphone. Hunger is a body's weakness of need. Starvation is punishment for gluttonous consumption beyond that need, he preached. I bring elixir to make meat where none remained. Catherine and her boy stepped through the disintegrating crowd and into view of the traveler and his cart behind a sickly, pustulous old nag. Beneath the web-strapped stovepipe chapeau, red-orange strings of hair framed a face hidden behind the traveler's welter's goggles and a two-foot leather proboscis that masked his nose and mouth like an aardvark. A half-cape of rags complemented an angled kilt of the same over-leathered pigskin the length of arms and legs and on his back, a steaming, translucent tank tubed to the face mask and filled with the same green splash seen in every townsperson's new decanter. Circuses didn't tout freaks of that ilk. The glinting goggles turned to Catherine as she hesitated on approach. Step up with that morsel, mother. It gestured toward the staring Samuel. You want elixir to put meat on the boy? She didn't understand so didn't reach for the preferred bauble. We drink it and it fills us like food, she managed. You give it to your stock, 
and they grow muscle and bone and marrow to feed you, the traveler explained. She didn't own cattle or an area lonesome goat, and neither did anybody else in Promise without the surname Fairless. She countered, but we, I, I don't have any stock. Another voice, this one warm and familiar, rang out behind her. Yes, you do, child, we all do. You flaunt yours before us even now, said Father Duncan, and he sauntered toward them, fingertips pressed together in arrogant prayer hands. The priest stood out among his flock, still thick and strong amidst the poor-bodied hungry and their sunken eyes. That dichotomy scared her more than did the gothic costume traveler, and she pulled Sammy protectively to her thigh, angled her body between him and them. Father Duncan strode to the side of his supplier and continued, The good book says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, and in times of need, we must partake of that fruit. The traveler leaned into Catherine's personal space, handlessly lifted his rubbery snout, and said, And I bring the waters of the Lord to grow that fruit bigger and fuller of flesh to sustain you. Mama, Samuel started. He was smart enough to interpret their grave metaphors. Don't you fret, Sammy, she reassured him. We're going home. Not empty-handed, you won't, spat Father Duncan. And he produced a pink-tinged package wrapped in butcher paper. Catherine retreated from the hidden meat as though it were a grenade tucking Samuel behind her. Father, I, I can't accept that, she blurted as he advanced, undeterred by her skepticism. Call it the charity of the flock, Kathy. I know you and the boy haven't eaten. Take it, he urged. The traveler towered tacitly over the dialogue and dance, a single flask of elixir in cupped hands. Catherine glanced uncertainly at him, back at the priest's incongruent smile of beneficence. The meat hung in the air between them as if dropped among wolves in winter. The entire scene stilled for moments. Samuel, rail-thin and hopeful, peeked around his mother's hip, caught her guilty gaze as she worried between dealing with those devils and depriving her son again. Duncan rattled the paper with an impatient shake that betrayed his stretched smile. Catherine snatched it to her bosom and retreated as if she'd stolen it, but the traveler spoke before she could run. You abscond with but a treatment for your pangs when you might escape with the cure. He dangled the elixir before him, a bulbous ornament on his tree of lies, and continued his pitch. Feed the boy with this meat, and he wants more in hours, days. Infuse the boy with this elixir, and neither wants for more or forever. Her eyes scattered among the two entreating her. Catherine blindly disrobed the flesh in her palms. What is it? She asked ahead of the tears to come. Samuel already grasped at it. She heard his lips smack with salivating desire. Father Duncan dipped his chin and chuckled. Come, Kathy, ask yourself why you question the gracious bounty of our Lord in the very face of his blessings. Mama, I'll drink it. I'm hungry, Samuel whimpered and snatched at the red mass in the paper nest in her hands. His reckless meat lust outran her reflex to avoid it, and he pulled away into his reaching lips a rare plug of fibrous tissue, blood and all. 
Stubby fingers followed to poke in straying strands and droplets. Fear for her child blended with jealousy and a momentary guess at the taste of those fingers to paralyze Catherine. She noticed too late the traveler's advance on her boy. He pulled at Samuel's hair like a handle to open his grinding teeth like some king's grisly stein and pour in the elixir from its former home. The little tongue flailed desirously around his meal to lap at the chemical waterfall gifted by the fright-masked swindler. See how the innocent young decide so simply to treat themselves? Adult wisdom is too often its own curse, madam, the traveler admonished her. Already, a new scent replaced the fragrant hair and familiar breath of this son at her side for eight years then. It was meat, fresh and savory, not the morsels wending their way down his gullet. His meat, the muscles of his cheeks and neck and forearms swelled and pulsed with every minute motion flicked delicious pheromones into her airspace. Mute by the horror of her own impulse, she dabbed at the corner of his mouth to clean it, lifted the blood and spit to her own waiting tongue. It was sweet in the way the test bite first off the grill was sweet, and she wanted more. She pushed on Samuel's shoulder to gently seat him in the graveyard dirt, then dropped the remains of Father Duncan's butchery into his lap. She could no longer discern if her delight at the spectacle of his rapid consumption was a result of the satisfaction of feeding her child, or of the promise of continued blood zest. She was at once terrified and exhilarated at the play of her senses and drives. Father Duncan grasped her shoulder, pulled her from those kaleidoscopic emotions, and she realized the reconvened crowd about them. Every eye and mouth beheld Samuel with the same ravenous fervor raging within her. His every bite drew the circle tighter until they were pressed into her. The traveler carved a narrow channel of fear amidst the gathered, backing easily to his cart and horse, his handiwork complete. The raw, unprepared stench of the starving masses forced the aromatic vapors from Catherine's nostrils, and that angered her. They wanted what was hers, whether by virtue of birth or preparation, and that would not stand. Stop! She screamed at them but their compounded, malnourished murmurs drowned the word in their currents. None of them, even Father Duncan then, noticed her anymore. They smelled only the boy meat she spawned, then the epicenter of their picnic. But that was hers to keep, more for possession than for love, but hers nonetheless. Ahead of her, the traveler mounted his diseased horse, glanced back to boast his treachery with but a gaze across the cartload of elixir bottles whose contents gifted that delectable savor to Samuel and might do the same for her. And she was bigger and better marbled than her calf, a choicer cut to draw away the assembled diners and spare her little chunk. She leapt high and cannonballed into the pile of glass balls, exploding shards and elixir and her own sliced flesh in a dispersing bouquet that reached like the hand of a ghoul for the already onrushing commoners come cannibals. The hormones and nutrients and enzymes invaded Catherine through wounds and orifices and pores, and her muscles and her glands and her skin flourished into a succulent cornucopia laid ready on the floor of the cart as a pig fresh from the spit. And the people of promise wanted her, and would have her and they passed over her tiny treat, still stuffing himself back in the cemetery to receive her.
You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing. Famishment. Written by Kevin Laporte. Narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you'd like to hear more of our content, you can find Ain't No Such Thing wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can back Last Ride of the Four Horsemen on Kickstarter from now until Sunday, April 19, 2020, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. There's all kinds of cool rewards up there. Kevin's worked really hard on this book. And if you like our scary stories, I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. And it's got so many pretty pictures, you just have to see it to believe it. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. I hope you're all staying safe, being careful, and looking after each other. And I'll be back with another one for you real soon.